Can you imagine saving $100,000 in a little over three years? No? Well, it is possible. And in episode 113, our guest, Bola Sukumbi, will share us how she did it. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast, the preferred podcast by many women across the globe to help you take control of your finances. Join me, Jen Hempel, a motivational money coach and your host each week as I share with you practical, simple money insights and real life stories by women like you. Let's do it. I'm curious, have you noticed I haven't done as many solo episodes this season? That's because I've interviewed so many fantastic people that honestly, I don't want to keep them from you for long. And this week's guest is no exception. I have another fantastic guest for you. So welcome. I'm excited to have you here. And I am honored that you are listening to this podcast. Now, just a heads up, this season is coming to a close. We will have two more episodes after this one. So we'll wrap this up on September 14th. So September 14th is the end of this current season. Then we're going to take a two-week break and resume the first Thursday in October. Now, FYI, I've decided to call this season, this season that we are wrapping up, season number four. And why? Because the first year of this podcast, we took no breaks. So I'm calling that season number one. And this year, we have done a total of three quarterly seasons to include this one. So that is why this is season number four. So let's go ahead and get to today's episode. In today's episode, you're going to learn why her mom was her family's financial backup plan and what she learned from this. You're also going to learn how she saved $100,000 in three and a half years on a $50,000 annual salary. And you're also going to learn the two-step process she takes to tracking money. So let me share with you a little bit about Bola Sukumbi. Bola is a certified financial education instructor or a CFEI a money and business coach, a finance writer, social media influencer, and the founder of Clever Girl Finance, which is a platform that empowers and educates women to make the best financial decisions for their current and future selves and to pursue their dreams of financial independence in order to live life on their own terms. So get ready and let's go ahead and meet Bola. Welcome, Bola Sukumbi, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I am excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Jen. This is very exciting as well for me, too. <laughs> yes. I, well, you're basically, we've I've been following you on Instagram for a while, and I love everything that you're about. We do pretty much similar coaching and for in regards to finances and we focus on women and and it just I just love all your refreshing posts and it just definitely I have to tell you it's also inspiration for me as well I'm really excited about this just because I think we're aligned in so many things I'm sure we have our own you know unique ways and styles of of teaching and coaching but I'm excited for to introduce you to my community so are you ready to dive in 
Yes, I'm excited. Perfect. So tell us a little bit, Bola, about how you grew up around money. What is your money story? What did you see? What did you experience? What did you hear? All those type of things. <laughs> okay, so I'm originally from Nigeria. Both of my parents are Nigerian. So growing up, um, and I got to grow up in an environment where my parents were traveling a lot, but you know, just based on how they were raised, um, we didn't come from a background that had credit. Um, it was very much a cash basis um, system. And so my parents were not big on credit or getting loans for anything. They believed in paying cash for everything that you wanted, which made them more, I would say, they looked at their finances and they looked at their money more closely because they didn't have any loans or debt to leverage. And so growing up, you know, my parents were just very particular about telling me the importance of being penny wise or pound foolish. And that's kind of like a proverb or something that my dad always talked about where he would say, you know, people who have a lot of money tend to manage it a lot less better than people who have less mm -hmm. because they don't value what they have because they have so much. And so they were just very particular about telling me Pennywise Pound Foolish. And I saw one of the things that really stood out to me when I was growing up was just the difference between men and women in terms of money management. And I don't know if this tied back to just back then being in a very traditional family setting where the man was the breadwinner and then the mom was typically stay-at-home mom or if she worked, it wasn't a very major job or, you know, she spent her money on the household and stuff like that. But my family was very much like that where my dad was the major breadwinner and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And it was similar with a lot of her friends. And what I started to notice as I was growing up was that my mom's friends would maybe get divorced or their significant others would, would die, unfortunately. And then the woman would just be stuck and there would be confusion and stress and just a lot of financial problems. And my mom was very aware of that and she didn't want that to happen to her. And so she decided that she wanted to take her money matters into her own hands. And that meant going back to college after she had me. It meant starting a career and starting a job and all the money that she was earning, putting it aside. And she basically would tell me, you need to be financially independent. You need to be able to stand on your own two feet. God forbid, you know, something happens to your dad or this doesn't work out. You need to be able to take care of myself. And my dad would echo the same sentiment as he saw my mom, you know, going out to hustle and make money. He would tell me, don't ever be a liability on a man. So as I was being raised, I was being taught to be financially independent and also to be financially responsible. And my parents really helped provide me with that early stages of financial education. Not that I always listen to them, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, do we all? <laughs> you know... But in summary, that was basically my upbringing and how I was raised around money. And also my mom basically became our family's backup plan. So as I got into my teenage years, my dad went into a financial downturn where he had to retire about 15 years earlier than planned. And when you think about that in the grand scheme of someone's retirement plans, 15 years is a big deal. And at that point, my dad had been sending my brothers abroad to college and paying for their education in cash. So they had gone to school in England and in America. He was paying college tuition in cash. And then it was my turn. And my dad was like, you know what? This is really expensive. And given that I'm not working right now and I'm basically retired, maybe you should stay in Nigeria and go to college here. And my mom was like, you know what? I've been saving. I have money put aside. We can afford this and I'm going to pay for her college education in cash. 
And that was just something that was, it was a huge gift to me. It's something that I don't take for granted in any way because I don't have any student loans. And the fact that my mother was able to give that gift to me just made me realize that I really want to be able to do this for my own children too and set a good example. So that's, I know that's a long-winded answer, but... (laughs) No, no, that's great. And definitely, your mom is definitely a wise woman to do that. And the observations that she made uh, with uh, women around her and how she took the matters into her own hands. Now, I grew up similarly in the sense that my mom was, she's a very strong woman in the sense of mm-hmm. very you have to be independent, financially independent, just because of her upbringing. Her father uh, died at an early age. And then there was uh, just some drama as far as some money goes, where basically, long story short, they were left with none. So it was my grandmother who didn't have the education, who had to really do what it took to raise three small children. So it was, yeah, so that was definitely a message that I got loud and clear was to be independent. And independence was a huge, huge message in my upbringing. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. Now, how does your background, how you grew up around money, how does that bring to what you're doing now? Why did you decide that you wanted to educate women, to coach women in personal finance? Why is that such an important part of who you are? You know, it's funny. When I got out of college and I went ahead and was making my own money mistakes, as you know, young people (laughs) always do, despite everything their parents tell them, personal finance for women or even coaching women about financial responsibility or financial literacy was not anything that was on my mind. I just knew that. (laughs) I know. I knew that once, you know, once I had made certain mistakes and I started to figure things out, I just fell in love with personal finance. And I would talk about it all the time to my friends. And then fast forward several years, I graduated from college. And let's say 10 years later, I had I just had my twins. And I was in a space where I just felt like I wanted to do something that mattered. And I don't know why I was feeling that way. Maybe it was, I don't know, a 30-something-year-old crisis or something. (laughs) But I was just just in the space where I felt like I want to do something that matters. I love my job, but I want to have an impact. I want to be a good example for my kids, and I want to make a difference. And I spent an entire year brainstorming what can I do that's going to matter. And it was just like being up in the middle of the night trying to figure out what would make me feel happy. Mm -hmm. And everything I brainstormed around came back to helping women and personal finance. And it was just a perfect fit because I talk about money all the time to my friends. Like it would get to a point where my friends are like, oh, well, please don't start talking about investing again. (laughs) And (laughs) it was definitely good timing because as I started to make that transition into wanting to help women with their finances, I started to see some of the same things that my mother was, you know, that I had seen with my mother's friends, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up where they weren't very involved in the family finances, a divorce would happen. And they would be left without anything. I started to see that happening with my own friends. Mm. And I just felt like it was really, really important that as women, we start to take charge of our personal finances because there's so many factors that work against us um, when it comes to wealth building. For one thing, there is the wage gap. We get paid on average 20% less than our male counterparts. There is the fact that we take off considerable amount of time from work to have and to raise children. And even though employers will say, oh, you know, even if you take maternity leave every year for the next three years, for instance, it doesn't count against you. 
Well, you're not there to perform. Right. You're not there to prove yourself. So in some indirect way, it's going to count against your next level of advancement at work. There is the fact that we are very emotional people as women. We're, emo- we're the emotional Us? sex. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Even though we try to hide it. Not we me. End up- <laughs> We tend to give <laughs> we tend to give so much of ourselves to everyone else, our children, our spouses, before we think of ourselves. So, you know, if you have kids and your child asks you for something, it's really hard for you to say no. I know sometimes my mom has a hard time saying no to me. And in many instances, women do that at the expense of their future selves, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's just those are just some examples of why financial independence, understanding how our money can work for us and understanding how we can build wealth long-term is just really, really important. And I always like to clarify that it's not about being self-independent. I don't need a man, you know, I don't care about having a guy in my life or that kind of stuff because money in marriages and in relationships matter. And there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with being the backup in your family, like my mom was for my dad. There's nothing wrong in contributing to your family income. You know, there's nothing wrong with working as a team with your significant other to build wealth. And so I think that as women, it's just, it should be a big priority. And I'm just really focused on changing the mindsets and empowering women to know that they can build wealth and they can be successful. And despite all the things that we have working against us, we can still come out ahead. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I have to agree with you 100%. (laughs) If not, I shouldn't be doing this podcast. (laughs) And so what would you say is the best money advice you have received? Uh, So what I said in the beginning, when my dad would tell me penny wise, pound foolish, if Mm -hmm. you can't manage your money when you have a little, you're not going to be able to do it when you have a lot. And that's something that really ties back into my personal story. So one of, you know, one of the big accomplishments I had when I first graduated from college, despite my silly money mistakes, is that I was able to save $100,000 in three and a half years, making a very average salary, nowhere close to six figures. And I did that because I was saving a little by a little by a little. And that tied back into that whole thing my dad taught me about manage what you have, even though you only have a little because it will grow over time to a lot. And then when you get a lot, you'll know how to manage that as well. So that has been the best financial advice I've been given. It's even if you only have a dollar, save that dollar anyway. Don't think it doesn't count because it's just a dollar. You'll be surprised how quickly it adds up. Absolutely. You take care of your money. It takes care of you for sure. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And what would you say you do really well with money? Is it saving, more investing, or what would you say? I'm a saver girl. I am (laughs) saver. And then, you know, saver, building wealth, investing. I love saving. And I'm just going back to how I was raised. I'm one of those people that I get antsy. I start having panic, panic attacks and feeling anxious if my bank account is looking kind of low. I have to, (laughs) I hear you. I have, I have to have money saved and it's become part of my habit that every time I make money, I have to save money. Every time I get money, I have to put a certain amount of it aside. I have to have that buffer. I have to know that my finances are in place for the long term. And that's just who I am. I'm a saver by nature. And that's one thing I do well. I, I save 
no matter what's going on, I'm saving. <laughs> I hear you. I'm right there with you. So I'm curious how you personally uh, manage your finances at home. Uh, is there a certain system do you, that you use? Are you a spreadsheet type of person, software? Or are you just traditionally just on a paper, you know, paper and pencil with a calculator? What is it that you do? If you could take us like on a through like a month, like, do you sit down once a week? Like, how do you manage your finances? So I'm an Excel spreadsheet girl. That's just what I do. I've tried. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal. I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Apps that connect to accounts and things like that. But I think I do a better job with my spreadsheets because I'm, kind of, I'm a little, I'm a little compulsive, obsessive compulsive. So I have my spreadsheet and I have all my monthly bills listed in my spreadsheet and the total amount on the top. And I just have dates. And every time I pay a bill, I go and I um, unbold it until the next month. And then I change the dates. And then for my day-to-day transactions, just so I know how I'm managing what I have to spend. So my disposable income, I track every single thing. If I'm going to the grocery store, I write down how much I spent and I compare it to what I have budgeted for groceries. If I buy a pack of gum, I write it down and I compare it to what I have in my fun money category. And I check in every day. It used to be a point where I would keep every single receipt and then come back every night and sit down. But now since there's apps on phones now, you can log into your phone and, you know, you don't need to carry all this paper around. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm very, I, I check in on my finances every day. My spreadsheet is perpetually open on my um, computer um, to the point where sometimes when I'm having coaching sessions, it's the first thing that pops up when I, <laughs> when I, when I share my screen. I'm like, oh, wait, that's the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> funny. And so really for tracking, you just literally, you just, do you have like the little notebook in your purse or what are, you know, because tracking is where I see a lot of people get stuck because they feel it's tedious and it's just sometimes they say it's just too much work. So how, you know, so do you literally just write down the notebook or how do you make it easy and doable for you on a consistent basis? Well, for me, the way I, I budget is that I only keep money that I know I have available to spend in my spending checking account. And so before I buy something, if I'm at the grocery store, I check my app really quickly, Bank of Mm -hmm. America, and see how much I have. If I have in that spending account $200, then I think about what I need to spend before my next set of money comes in there. Do I need to buy a dress? I don't know, whatever. And I, I I keep that in mind, and I know exactly how much I can spend on groceries. So I'm constantly checking in on my finances. I'm checking in every single day and looking at what amounts I have available to spend before I spend. And then I also come back in and take a look at what I have spent just so I know where my money is going. Um, you know, like how much did I spend at Starbucks this week? And I look at my grocery receipts. What, how much cake did I buy this week that I really didn't need to buy? Where could I have cut back? And so I try to do those exercises um, by checking every day just to make sure that I'm on track. Okay, perfect. What I need to spend. So it's a very manual process and it doesn't work for for everybody. But mm-hmm. there is an app that I recently got that I just adore and it's called Penny. And I'm, I'm not affiliated in any way whatsoever. But Penny is an app that it basically you put in your accounts and it tracks your transactions, but then it has conversations with you. So it would tell you, hey, Bola, I noticed you just spent $100 
at groceries at the grocery store. So you're on track based on your historical spending to spend $300 on groceries this month. Does that sound about right to you? And it's just an awesome little app because it gives you, yeah, it gives you insights about your spending. So check out Penny. I will definitely, because that that is definitely helpful because basically what you do, I I do something similar where I check and I have my, I have, I don't have cash envelope systems, but literally I have like multiple accounts for different purposes. And that Mm -hmm. helps me track because I'm such a visual person because keeping a receipt and looking at the receipt every single time just drove me nuts. But for (laughs) me, uh, it was, uh, you know, just looking in that specific account. So I have an account that's just literally for groceries or daily spending. And there's a certain amount of money that goes in every single time, every, every month or every two weeks, I should say. And from there, I just check in before I do the groceries or before I buy A, B, and C that's from that account to make sure we're uh, I'm right on target. And it, it's just easier for me. But yeah, I like the added step that you do where after the purchase, you take a look at what you purchased, which is what something that this app does, it sounds, and yes. you really kind of give, you know, give yourself a check, a self check of like, was this a good purchase? Was everything on here? Was it, you know, does it fall in line? Like with the budget, with the values, all those good things. So I love that added step that you add in, um, which I'm guilty of not doing. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll be honest and say that, you know, sometimes I don't always go back on that grocery bill. But sometimes I know that, you know what, Bola, you, you budgeted $150 for groceries today and you spent $170. You better go look at that receipt and see why. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> you know, it's, so, a good, it's a yeah. good thing because then it gives you the opportunity to be more proactive and really thinking through versus just because for me, like it's just an automated thing. I have a certain amount of money that goes in there. Uh, I take a look uh, before I shop. Um, make sure I have enough for what I need. And but really that added part of like, was this a good purchase is I find a lot of value in that. So that's something that uh, because it's it primes you for the next time. All right. It primes you for the next purchase where I don't know, you went a little uh, crazy in the chocolate aisle or the candy aisle because you just felt like chocolate that day. And then it just primes you for the next time that you're feeling like that. Sorry, obviously me, I get, you know, I don't go crazy with the chocolate out, but I have been known to drive from my house to certain places to get some chocolate just because I I was in need of chocolate. But anyways, that's the point was here is just, it just primes yourself for the next time if, because if you actually um, take the time to do that, the next time you do that, you're going to think to back to that time, whether you're going to make the same decision or a different decision it's it's up to question, but at least you're thinking it and that's a step forward, right? So yes, I love, yes. love that you say that. And what would you say is your proudest money moment? Uh, so I have quite a number, but I'll say one of my earliest ones was looking back after I had saved over $100,000 as a young recent college graduate and being like, wow, I can save this much money. Like, I was making $54,000 after taxes. That's probably like Mm 40,000. I had a side hustle going, but 
I had friends who were making, who were working on Wall Street at the time, and they were making $100,000 and getting $100,000 in bonus, and they had no savings. And they would be like, I don't make enough money. It's so hard for me to save. And so when I got to the point where I had crossed that $100,000 mark, I was like, wow, if I can do this when I'm making this amount of money, imagine what I can do when I'm making more. And that was just, it was very insightful for me. And it was almost like an aha moment because while I was saving, I was very much in the motion. I was just going and going and going and, you know, saving and saving and checking my accounts. And okay, I put another deposit. But when I actually crossed that, I was like, wow, I can actually do this. This is the, the aha moment for me. So that's one of my proudest moments. I love that. Now, as far as who influenced you most, I heard definitely your father and your mother. Is there anybody else that influenced you a lot um, in the area of money? Yeah. So when I, so like I mentioned at the beginning, my parents come from a very cash based background and when they were growing up, there was no such thing as 401k, none of that. So when I moved to the States and I graduated from college and I started my first job, I was exposed to, and even in college, I was exposed to credit cards. And I was exposed to 401ks and I was exposed to all these different things that make up finances in America. And I I didn't know what a 401k was. I didn't really understand how credit card interest was calculated. I got into trouble with my first credit card in college at a crazy 24.99% interest rate. And so I stumbled across a personal finance book by David Bach. Mm -hmm. It's called Smart Women Finish Rich. And that book was just a game changer for me. I learned so much from that book about money in this country. And I read that book to shreds. It was almost, (laughs) it was, (laughs) it was almost like a Bible for me. I had to buy another copy and I still have that copy somewhere. The cover has fallen off, but it was such, (laughs) it was such an important book for me. And just the way he explained the concepts were just so, you know, it made money a topic that can be so complex, it made it very easy for me. And it made me excited about my finances and wanting to save and wanting to build wealth and wanting to invest and wanting to plan for insurance and things like that. So that in the very early stages, I think that I found that book when I was like 23 years old, it was a game changer for me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, though, David Bach books are definitely such good books. They're simple. There's, they're not the type of book where you just sit there and you're like, falling asleep, but you're, it's, he does a good job of really engaging you, allowing, you know, describing and teaching you in a way that you understand and you continue reading. Uh, and yeah. I'll compare it to the book by Tony Robbins, the, uh, the, what is the, I forgot the name of the is book, but the big one, the game? right. And it's a great book. <laughs> it's a lot of great content, but I compare it to the David Bach book because it's a different type of book. It's not, you have, it's a book that you really have to focus. Like I'm easily yeah. distracted, right? So that book, I read it from cover to cover, but it took me a while to read that. You know, I took me a good while to read that book just because it wasn't like a David Bach book where you can just sit for a while, hours, I would have to take mm. breaks, you know, to let that information <laughs> simmer down because it was a lot of information. Not, you know, that there was bad information. It was just a lot of information. And David Bach's book was just more simplistic, easy to understand, easy to apply, something that you can take and go to it, right? Uh, so yeah. yeah, such, yeah, he's such a good teacher. 
And I would definitely say for anyone who is just at the very early stages of trying to figure out how do I manage my money? How do I pay off debt? How do I start investing? David Back is a great place to start. Um, Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned, the Tony Robbins book is an awesome book, but I read it a couple of years ago and it made a lot of sense to me and I thought it was great, but it also took me a while to get through it. And Mm -hmm. I think it's more for someone who is it's kind more of like <laughs> it's more yeah. more along. No, agree, agree. Yeah, so absolutely. Well, this has been fantastic, Bola. As you know, this podcast is about making money simple and taking control of it. So, how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because I would say her money matters because having financial freedom is the gateway to living life on your own terms. Love it. Well, this has been <laughs> fantastic. It's been such a treat to finally connect with you, you know, know. via voice, at least, <laughs> yes. uh, instead of Instagram. I appreciate you, Bola, and thank you for everything. Thank you so much for having me on, Jen. I appreciate you too. So what did you think? Wasn't Bola just fantastic? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed chatting with her. Now, I want to talk more about the advice her father gave her because that really struck a chord with me. But before we do that, I want to do a quick shout out. And the shout out goes to Victoria Casey, or I don't know if you pronounce it, Cassie, uh, and Brittany for just jumping in and helping a sister out in our community with a question she had. You see, my mission in our community is for you to connect, to learn, and grow. I may have the education and personal finance experience and helping others and so forth, but there is a lot of power from what we can learn from each other. We each have different backgrounds, experiences, and knowledge that will help the next person. We just have to be able to get out there and share that. So I encourage you to go in our community, ask a question, or simply share something that you feel will benefit others. Of course, all related to personal finance, right? Now let's get back to what Bola's father advice was. And her father's advice was to manage what you have, even when you have a little, because it will grow over time. Now you notice that she saved $100,000 in three and a half years, which is phenomenal. And I suspect that a part of this success was part of her father's advice, right? She wasn't worried about how she was going to get there, but focus on the action of saving with what she had at the time. And I'm sure she probably started with baby steps and it compounded and she built up over time, right? But let's be real. It, I'm sure when you heard it either scared you You probably said, yeah, right, I can't do that. Or maybe you got excited. I'm curious to see where did you fall under. But really what I want you to take out of this is to remember that you, what you allow to flow in your mind, your mind will happily comply. So instead, focus on those baby steps, those actions that you will do, and just build on that over time. You will have success with it. Just again, baby steps, do those action steps, and just build on that. Don't focus on the big picture in terms of the big number maybe that you want to reach, but rather just focus on those actions that you can take today with what you have today. All right. So I want to leave you with that. 
So that is a wrap for today. Next week on the Her Money Matters podcast, we will be talking to Natalie Taggart and we will be learning about her beautiful money journey and what she has learned. Now, I want to thank quickly to Bola Sukumbi for joining us, for being just really a wealth of information, for sharing her story. So you can check out how to get in touch with her and learn more about her over in the show notes over at jenhempill.com forward slash 113, or just simply go to Clever Girl Finance. You will also find her there. Now, don't forget if this episode really struck a chord, if this episode made a difference for you, if this episode you really, really enjoyed, don't forget to share. It is the biggest compliment for me that you shared this podcast and episode, share the word about this podcast. It means the world to me. The more that we get this message out there, the more women that we can help collectively. So thanks again for joining me and I will talk to you next Thursday. 